This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Purple Daily, presented by Surly Brewing Company. Put in the work. We continue to do what you guys have done all season. Come together, prepare, and show up with the confidence to go win a football game. We're going to be just fine. I promise you that. I'm so proud of you guys. I love everybody in this room. Let's get back to work this week and go for number 11. Great job, Great job, man. Way to stand up. Be tough. We talked about toughness last night. Tough times don't last. Tough people do, man. Great job. Let's go. Bikes on three. One, two, three. Bikes. Oh. Can we get, you know how they have Cameo where you can like, you know, pay $200 for, I don't know, some B-rate celebrity. Like Rob Kardashian will like send you a a video from his basement or something. Or Pete Mm -hmm. Rose. We we got Pete Rose for my father-in-law for his last birthday. That's awesome. He's a big Pete Rose fan. He got a kick out of it. He kept watching it like, is this, he's like talking to me? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Can we get something where Kevin O'Connell will just like give you the first thing in the morning when you wake up? I believe in you. I love, I love you. Everything's going to be fine. You're not going to have a perfect day, but that's okay. One foot in front of the other. Let's go. Break it down. Bikes on three. You're good enough, you're special enough, and darn it, people like you. <laughs> I saw, I think it was like wrestlers. Wrestlers are killing it with that stuff, too. Like, I saw Matt Hardy has done, like, a bunch of oh, yeah. where he does it in the broken voice and stuff, and wrestlers, and then uh, a lot of actors <laughs> yes. doing, yes, happy birthday, Phil. <laughs> Amazing. Great idea. Sports dad, sports sports dad, dad. could make a killing. Could make a killing. I've thought about it. I've thought we'll about it. I just have no up. idea how to do it. We'll teach you. We'll, uh, as long as we get 70% of the yeah. profits, we'll teach you. Oh, you give me a cut. Right. I'll, I'll show you how to do it. Uh, all right, this is uh, this is Purple Daily, Daily Vikings Entertainment, where we just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die. And uh, the show is presented in part by our friends over at TCL. Redefine creativity with the, the, the TCL 30 V 5G smartphone. Enjoy blazing fast 5G speed, an AI-powered 50-megapixel triple camera system. Football. Yeah. How many more megapixels do you need? Ultra-realistic and true-to-life visuals powered by Next Vision and booming sound from the dual speakers. Also, a lot of I saw someone like someone stacked like a tower of before I die surly cans and sent That's a picture to us on Twitter yesterday. That was impressive. Was absolutely cool. And uh, and during the course of the game, again on Twitter, appreciate all the people who were at US Bank Stadium who tweeted us pictures of their cans. In fact, it sounds like before I die still available on the third floor, third level of the stadium. So it's there. Um last thing is i tweeted this out on friday i said okay send me more ideas for surleys i got a great one last night controlled chaos 
person said you got to talk about that's this. a good one control oh that's a new a new that's name that's, that's, okay. that, that's a good one I've yeah, that. yes yes controlled chaos is a surly beer but mm-hmm. but you know i've talked about furious i've talked about before i die i've talked about logic bomb so i'm looking for ideas and this this person said you are missing the boat judd controlled chaos is fantastic the story here all surly brewing products are great but it's a deep roster a deep team mm-hmm. and much like the vikings it is very successful it is 10 and 2 on the season vikings vent line yesterday was kind of a mixed bag of emotions people that you know, people are mad about the defense the offense kind of went away there but again they scored 27 points on one of the best defenses in the league there's just so many things on both sides of the fence. So if you miss Vikings Ventline, check that out. But every Monday we start with our hottest Vikings takes. Judd, you are the leadoff hitter. All right, Go ahead I, and set us ablaze here. I thought of this story in the course of the game yesterday, and it was actually used on Ventline, and I agree completely with this sentiment. And I think it's I think it qualifies as a hot take because it's going to put this man above all others. That is this. Kirk Cousins is the toughest quarterback right now in the National Football League. Wow. He is. He doesn't run the most, but he is the toughest. He took a beating yesterday, absolutely a beating from a good Jets team. He knew it was coming. He was far from perfect, but you know what he didn't do? He didn't miss a snap. He ran 11 yards for a first down and initiated contact with linebacker C.J. Mosley and got up first. Kirk Cousins yeah. is in 78 potential games of meaning since joining the Vikings in 2018. Kirk Cousins has missed two. One, the end of the year 2019 game against Chicago because the Vikings seed was already clinched at that point, so there was no sense in playing him. And the other one was, I think it was the penultimate game last year against the Packers in Green Bay that he missed because of COVID. But he has, since 2018, and going back to his time in Washington, this guy, there's no question he's hurt at times, right? Like he's banged up, there's no doubt about that. But he doesn't miss games. He's tough as nails. And he gets up really quick from a lot of hits that it's my contention. A lot of guys wouldn't. Kirk Cousins is the toughest quarterback currently in the National Football League. Yeah, he he has taken, and he's also, throughout his career, he's become much better, I think, about, much like Peyton Manning was like this. I'm not comparing the two, but avoiding taking the big hit as well. He's done. He's done a lot of that throughout his career, but especially in that game against the Jets. And there's been other games, like you said, this year where he is standing in there. That that throw against the commander's defense down by 10 or whatever it was in the second half, and he's got to hit Justin Jefferson 40 yards down the field, and his ribs are about to get jammed through his lungs, you know. Yeah. Um, and then he just kind of dusts himself off and gets back up, and he doesn't look like he's not a Dante Culpepper imposing size guy. Of course, when we saw Kirko Chains on the team playing with his shirt off, you were – a little taken aback by uh, how many ab muscles there were. Like, wait, is that a is that an eight pack? Are there are there ten? This guy's in good <laughs> shape. Yes, this guy is is in very good shape for what being thirty four years old. Yes, like and then so right. to me, there's sort of two levels of quarterback toughness. There's just the ability to absorb football contact and hits, and and then not miss games. Mm-hmm. But then there's the ability to absorb those hits and pressure and everything and still stand in there and make the throws and hunt down the field like you need to. And I actually thought yeah. yesterday he was he was affected more in that regard yesterday than in some of the other games. So that's one little warning flag to put up is it felt like he saw some ghosts mm-hmm. and he was a little more skittish and certainly more inaccurate yesterday 
because of the pressure. And after the game, he even said, yeah, like, the, the pressure early in the game threw me off. And even when it wasn't, you know, get home pressure, I was definitely still, my footwork was bad and everything else. So even he commented on that. But generally speaking this year, not only has he not missed games, he has taken those hits, stood in there, okay, I'm still going to go find Justin Jefferson down the field. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's been, it's probably the thing that you can hang your hat on the most with him is that he's, whether you love him, whether you hate him, he is always available and always standing in there ready to just get back up and call the next play. Yeah, and it, it's when you've played and started as many games as Kirk has and you basically don't miss games, like you start, just look through the entire league. Um, quarterbacks ordinarily miss games. And so, yeah, the, the one thing is since the day that you have signed him, you've never had to be concerned about, oh, here goes Kirk again. You're going to have to, you know, play – the backup for eight games or four games mm-hmm. so it it becomes when it's coupled with a season like this in which there is a degree of mental toughness and physical toughness that this team carries it becomes more fun to watch because it's it's rewarding to the entire team and that's the thing it's not just a kirk thing now it's actually benefiting the entire team and so when he introduced the contact with mosley yesterday and just snapped right back up i'm like okay i don't know that that's really smart but it's still impressive and i know that you hate that stuff because it's risky and he could you know miss a month with a broken collarbone or something and i get that but sometimes your team just needs to see you do stuff like that and i thought i actually thought it was an amazing it was like kirko chains comes out in the second quarter and says i'm going to run 13 yards for a first down and lay the wood to C.J. Mosley and get right back up. And like I told you guys yesterday, the only thing I wanted on top of that was him to get up, pump his chest, give a big burst, like get the crowd into it. He didn't do that because he's modest or whatever, but I thought it was a great tone-setting play, which sometimes you need those in football. The only thing, the thing that actually concerns me the, the most, and it's becoming clear that I don't think these people care as much as they're supposed to, is the concussion spotter would actually force you to go get checked well i think the concussion spotter would have told kirk cousins to get checked kirko chains he knows is well, right he knows kirko chains is uh never affected i'm becoming him. convinced but, that that the tua thing which i thought was going to get guys taken out of games consistently there was, the league was like ah oh, nah just i mean if the guy looks like he can't stand up but if he's if he's just a little bit dazed just keep him going yeah um okay my hottest viking steak and by the way, you can find your official Purple Daily Victory Monday hooded sweatshirts and T-shirts at scorenorth.com slash shop. That's scorenorth.com slash shop. We also have Mr. Fourth Quarter Comeback Swag. I saw those. We've got uh, just general Purple Daily Swag and the ever-popular Just One Before I Die. Check them all out at scorenorth.com slash shop. Hear me out on this hot take. I actually loved the Vikings' defensive performance yesterday. After sleep, that's my hot take. The Vi- well, I'll, and I'll frame it less as like I'm hearing a, you out. Wait. The Vikings played largely excellent defense yesterday, and I'll, you're going to say, "Well, what do you mean? You know, passing yards, this, and the second half, that." So, I slept on this late last night. I was kind of going through just going through some of my thoughts and going through the game and the and the play-by-play and everything again. 
So the first half was excellent. I think we can all agree there. If you, if the game had ended at halftime, we would have said, wow, this was, uh, you know, they allowed like three and a half yards of play in the first half. Exotic yep. blitz looks early on from Donatel. They had corner blitzes, linebacker blitzes, zone blitzes, everything. Football. Kitchen sink thrown at Mike White. They had, uh, they were rotating edge rushers like hockey lines. All right, Patrick Jones and DJ Wanham, you guys are line two. Zadarius and Daniel Hunter, you guys are line one. We're going to swap you out, drive for drive, keep everyone fresh. Patrick Jones feasted, keep Zadarius Smith a little bit healthier perhaps, right? Um, so the so the first half defense was one of the best halves of defense the Vikings have played all season. We can all agree on that. Mike White for the game. He's like, well, look how many he threw for 300-some passing yards. Yeah, it took him 57 passes to get to, of course he threw for 350 yards. You give a guy 57 passes, he's going to throw for a lot of yards, okay? Here are the two key things for me. The Vikings held the Jets to 19% on third down, 3 for 16 on third down, and they held the Jets to 1 for 6 in the red zone. And I know that you still have to like pay the price for the chunk plays you give up, but there were four chunk plays that generated basically half of the Jets' offense, like 40% of the Jets' offense. 170 yards of the Jets' total for the game came on four plays. And they ran 83 plays. So, okay, you definitely have to clean up the chunk plays. I am not giving a free pass to, like, you know, you know Garrett Wilson running 60 yards down the sideline, whatever. But the other 79 plays for the Jets, 79 other plays, they averaged just under four yards per play, which would put you among the best defenses in the NFL in terms of yards. The best defenses are around like four to four point three yards per play. So to me, it was four bad chunk plays that they gave up that made, and I think all of them might have been in the second half too, that made you feel like it was a sieve, terrible defensive performance. Timely takeaways, great on third down. They they did not break in the red zone. And it took 57 passes to get to the 350 yards or whatever it was going to take. So um, after thinking on it and sleeping on it, the Vikings' defensive performance was mostly really, really good yesterday. I would I would tweak your statement to say situationally they were outstanding. Um, you've got to do, if you want to be a but real that's playoff, not a hot take, though. If you got to be a playoff, <laughs> if you want to be a successful team, though, I've got to see more between the 20s. Because the the thing is, if you allow a quarterback that's not named Mike White, let's say it's the quarterback who's pretty damn good, to move between the 20s and get in the red zone, I'm guessing that you're not going to have the situational success that this team did. Because you're right, on third down, and once teams got inside, or once the Jets got inside at the 20, they were absolutely outstanding. Um, it just concerns me when, when you have teams moving so easily from from basically, you know, your own, their own 25 to the 20, and now you get tougher. I would just like to see it shored up there. And and I do wonder, and I'm curious if, if we'll see um, we'll see actual evidence of this, because it felt like the pressure that we saw in the first half dissipated or wasn't used as much. And, I, I mean, that's an eye test thing for me, so I, I might be wrong. If it is true, I wonder why you didn't stick with, with 
the formula. Now, O'Connell did say that the Jets made changes and tweaks and adjustments, but, I mean, it's your job to then adjust to what they're doing as well. So I'm curious what the story of, like, the pressure is because first half, it felt, to your point, Phil, like they came up with a lot of good ideas, and it actually worked pretty well. And also, again, this is total eye test, and we'll have to get, get some of the snap count data that comes out today, but it also felt like, Okay, second half, we're going to roll with Hunter and, and Zadarius. And yes. I, I kind of like, I know that you've got a couple primetime headline guys here, but I kind of like the idea of, no, let's just let's just run fresh legs out there, especially this late into a season with guys that have been hurt throughout the past few years. So they clearly took a look at some things during the self-scout week. And I agree with you. I, I am not calling them the 2000 Ravens or the 1985 Bears after what we saw yesterday, but that defensive performance was a lot better than it felt like at the end of the game. And I will add, the Vikings offense did no favors. They had they had one sustained long, and it was great. It was like a 75-yard touchdown drive yep. to put a stamp on that game. But the rest, the Vikings offense had like six other possessions that went nowhere in the second half. Yep. So it would have been nice if you're the defense, yeah, don't, don't give up four chunk plays, but if you're the offense, you could have just kind of ended that game with one more touchdown drive, and then it would have been a, it would have been a two or three score game the entire time, and it just wouldn't have felt that way. So, um, yeah, the defensive performance if you if you can swallow those four chunk plays and fix those. Ed Donatel said last week he's like the that chunk plays matter. were giving up are uncharacteristic. They're not really uncharacteristic. Yeah, it's, they happen. De- it's definitely much. a characteristic <laughs> to be dealt with, but. 79 other plays, four yards per play. I would take that every single week for 17 games. All right, my hottest, strongest take after uh, yesterday's performance against the Jets. Uh, Credit where credit is due. So I'll say this, my hottest take, Greg Joseph was the best player on the field in the Vikings-Jets game yesterday. Greg Joseph. I love this. This is going to be a victory lap for the Yes, it it is. Boots a 51-yarder. After the Vikings uh, are able to force um, uh, f- force the Jets off the field after the start of the game, he hits that monkey off his back. He hits another big field goal towards the end of the first half. He hits all three of his extra points. He is perfect. He is money. How many times have we seen Greg Joseph maybe miss an extra point, then all of a sudden the Vikings are only up by three and the other team can go kick a field goal? No, no, no. He made all of his kicks. He did all the right things. You might say, hey, Declan Greg Zerline actually had a better performance. For God's sakes, he hits a 60-yard field goal against the Vikings. I think he had like four or five field goals yesterday in general. Well, that's Robert Sala not being aggressive enough in his own red zone and not trusting that Jets offense to go out and score. Greg Zerline, okay, he reaps some benefits. That's okay, but that's more of a coaching problem on the Jets, in my opinion. Greg Joseph went out there and was the most consistent player for the Vikings, and also just not even just on the Vikings. There was big players for the Jets yesterday. Garrett Wilson had a big day, 162 receiving yards. Greg Joseph was the biggest yeah, difference but, maker. But Garrett Wilson didn't kick an extra point. That's damn so. right. And, he, and and that's not his job either. So Greg Joseph, the most important player and the best player on the field for the Vikings in their win over the Jets. Book it. So so we have now lowered the bar so much on Greg Joseph that we are basically celebrating his extra He's yeah. made extra points. Yeah. 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 Let's yeah. go. Get go. the Here flag. We're going to wave the flag. Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna wave it very slowly. <laughs> it's be far more exciting for the victory itself if we can wave it for eventually. No comment, Judd, on the best best player on the field yesterday, Greg the, the leg. leg. Not Joseph. Joseph. I am. It was extreme. a battle of Greg the legs yesterday. Yeah. 
Yet, uh, yet another 60-plus yarder made against the Vikings. It's, a, the it's now a record amount of 60-yarders. The Zerline kick, man. I mean, these guys' legs now are incredible. But, uh, yeah, good for Greg. I hope he continues to have success. He was. It was interesting, and, and I, I tweeted this out, actually, because I don't think I've seen it before. But Greg Joseph was working on uh, practice kicks after the coin toss. So as they're doing the coin toss, <laughs> he's working on practice kicks. And then after the coin toss is done, like up until he kicked off because the Vikings won the kick and de- or won the toss and deferred, he's working on. So good for him. I hope. I hope for the Vikings' sake, he's figured it out. Okay, so I did I see right that there there have been four sixty yard field goals made against the Vikings this year. I think I saw that correctly. Uh, well, the, most, the Cowboys most hit one. Uh, the Will Lutz hit one against the Vikings yeah, the Saints, in London. The, yep, the Saints hit one. Um. So that would mean because there's been there's been now thirty sixty yard field goals made all time because there's been five this year I think four have come against the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Uh, that means that in the history of the NFL, more than ten percent of the sixty yard field goals all time have been kicked against the Vikings this season, and people call the Vikings lucky. I mean, I know that, that, that those 12 uh, points, or, or maybe it's three, but whatever it is, like, it's not swaying the season, but that's ridiculous. That's, and there's nothing you can do about that. That's, that's just bad luck. So I will defend the Vikings in terms of, well, they're the luckiest 10-2 and two team ever. They're also getting 60-yard field goals made against them with regularity. So. But, but that is also why, because there, there's going to be a time in the next I don't know, five years or so where we no longer marvel at at these because these guys' legs are so big. And it's exactly why Greg Joseph has to be incredibly consistent from 50 plus. This is why, like we can't celebrate his 51 yard field goal. We've got to make that the the minimum standard 50. We're going to get to a point in this league where 55 yard field goals will be seen. Like I saw a 35 yard field goal as a kid. Well, we're kind of there. We, the, you know, the, well, yeah, the, no, the we league are. percentage is that they these kickers are making fifty yarders at a like two thirds rate or better. Declan, apply that pressure on. Greg. Well, when you when you grew Greg up, misses kickers, one more time. Bang. Kickers had the single bar face mask with a Greg. cigarette hanging out, and they were kick. It was like your left guard was your they kicker. Had they had guts, man. That was the greatest ever. Big guts hanging o- over the pants. <laughs> they just come out. Boot the field goal straight on. Yeah, because like wasn't the said, logic. Get a beer and a smoke, head Our, back. It was like, find the biggest guy. Like, the biggest guy is going to be able to kick the ball further because he's going to have the most inertia behind it or something, you know? <laughs> back in, in the day of Lou the Toe Groza. The Toe. The Toe. The Toe. Lou the Toe Groza because he kicked with us. See, that's what it was, man. Yes. Amazing. All right, so those are your hottest, strongest Vikings takes. Give us yours in the YouTube comment section on the Purple Daily YouTube channel or hit us up uh, via Twitter, via the Score North app. There's a feedback tab there. Chef Declan has been cooking all night a pie chart of praise that we're going to get to here in just a brief moment. But uh, anybody uh, anybody hit big on underdog over the weekend? I didn't. I, you know, I, I saw a lot of people sending me the slips going into the noon slate of games. I, I'm hoping some of them got a big payout for them on underdog fantasy, which is the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports. And, hey, by the way, fantasy football playoffs are starting very soon. And actually, when the NFL playoffs indeed start here in about a little over a month, 
Uh, they are also doing another big fantasy giveaway. So join that on Underdog Fantasy as well with your chance to win over $100,000 in cash prizes. There's also still some great pick'em options. You can split out games, whether you're on the NFL, the NHL side, the NBA side. Join Underdog Fantasy with promo code SCORE, S-K-O-R, and they'll match your first deposit up to 100 bucks. Go download the Underdog Fantasy app. Uh, our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company have been helping business owners for over 100 years. They're one of us based in Owatonna, Minnesota, since 1904. They're all about, they're basically having a great offensive line for your business, all about risk management, tools, resources. They measure their success by the success of your business. So just think of having a great, uh, helpful, knowledgeable, guiding hand with over 100 years of experience. You can find out more about the great work Federated does at federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. Let's get to a pie chart. Of praise here, gentlemen. Now on Mackie and Judd. You wanted better charts that you could see the fine print on. The pie chart of praise. You should be singing his praises. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. All right, Chef Declan, it is your week for a pie chart here. All how right. many slices are we looking at? We're looking at a five-piece pie chart here just for uh, the victory over the Jets. Vinny, okay. Vinny tried it. I know you said I shouldn't feed my dog, but Vinny, uh, Vinny said he likes the pie. So, so it's Vinny approved. It's me approved. So here's who we'll go. Here we go. We'll uh, get five pieces of pie to start. We're going to start at the bottom, work our way up. 10%, the first chunk of pie to Justin Jefferson. Just 10%. Um, he was targeted a ton, 11 targets, seven catches, 45 yards, catches a touchdown. Um, you know, th- this is still the amazing part of his game where he has a seven-catch, 45-yard performance, which is still a pretty solid day, and he still made a solid impact for sure. Uh, but it wasn't the biggest of J.J. games we've seen so far this season. They were still doing a, their absolute best to feed him a lot, but he scores a big touchdown. He's still a humongous difference maker when he's on the field. He does deserve some praise for the win. So a 10% chunk of pie to wide receiver Justin Jefferson to kick off this pie chart. It is kind of amazing now. We're to, we're to the point where he catches seven passes for 45 yards and a big touchdown. And we kind of think, huh. This is just a little disappointing game from Jefferson. Right. He didn't really have a big game. Seven catches. So he this would put him on pace for like a hundred. If he played seven catch, 45-yard football the whole season, he'd be like a hundred catch receiver with a bunch of touchdowns. You're like, well, that's not, wasn't really a Justin Jefferson game. The slice would be um, increased quite a bit if he hadn't dropped that ball yeah. in the second half. Now, that was not a great pass. He had to adjust, and the, the ball was behind him, and he Hater. tipped it and Hater. dropped it. Yeah. But that but Hater. that being said, if that pass hits, we're talking about eight catches, and, I mean, he might have gone a long way with that. So we're, we're probably talking about a more uh, Jefferson-like receiving yardage game on that one play. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. Second piece of pie. I'm giving it to Dalvin Cook and the running game, but Dalvin Cook and the running game in, in this pie chart of praise. So uh, a solid day rushing the football for the Vikings yesterday, 128 rushing yards. Uh, they had two obviously big rushing touchdowns that they were able to cash in on. Alex Madison, when he was called upon, played well. They got creative with Justin Jefferson and Jalen Rager with some, with some handoffs as well. Um, I was a little surprised that they abandoned this uh, as the game went on. It just seemed like they just gave up on the running game, which was being very effective for them throughout the course. But I think without that running game, and I mean, just look at Kirk's stat line too. It kind of a he got beat up a lot, but an ugly day for him from a stats uh, perspective. Just 173 yards and a touchdown. 
I think the running game actually deserves more chunk of praise than what Kirk was able to do. And I'm a little confused why KLC abandoned it, but it definitely still deserves a chunk of praise. So uh, the second piece of pie, Dalvin in the running game, 15% in my pie chart of praise. After the game was over in the locker room, I don't know if you guys saw the whole like three-minute clip that the Vikings put out. And uh, Delvin got one of the game balls for it. it. This was his 50th career, I believe, rushing touchdown. And KOC gave him one of the game balls. And he immediately turned it around and gave it that. to Garrett Bradbury yeah. to represent I don't want this the point. offensive line. And he yes. pointed and says, this is you guys. That's how you treat your offensive line. So statistically, if you go, go back and look, because we, we talked about this on um, Bentline yesterday, they actually, statistically, it was pretty evenly split on carries. I think it was situationally. So I think where we where we think that KOC decided to go away from the run game, because he didn't, if you look at the stats, but there are, but we still get to that like third and short where he will, will where he will insist on throwing a pass. And it's like, dude, you can run for three yards here. Um, but and I, this was boosted by the fact that they handed off to or pitched it to Cook in the end zone there towards the, the end to try and get a first down. But the but it they didn't statistically get as far away from the run as it appeared at times. Uh, I think it was about even by half as far as the actual rushing attempts. It turned out, yeah, with the it was thirty five passing attempts, twenty nine carries. Now they did have the if. They had the three carries at the end where they were trying to run the, the right. clock out. Yeah, that boosted a little bit. It still felt to me, you know, again, I get the ratio wasn't too far off from what you would see, but just based on the way the passing game looked right out of the gate, and right. the, that secondary is no joke for the Jets. They're just, they do a good job, man. They're all, they're just, they're, it's not hard for them to cover Adam Thielen and KJ Osborne, and they did a pretty damn good job on Justin Jefferson. So if you would have kind of laid that out for me and said, okay, how many passes in a game, by the way, in which you're going to be leading the majority of it by two touchdowns, yep. how many passes should Kirk throw in a game like that? Pressure, secondary on these guys like glue. I would not have said 35. I would have said, how about 25, 26 passes? If you're going to get a lead like that in the first half, and they're going to be averaging like five yards a carry, just jam the run down their throats. Yep. So... They didn't do that as much as I would have preferred, but I won the game. You know, it's interesting. O'Connell is loath to go away from the pass, even at times when you think he definitely should. Mm -hmm. And he's he's a smart guy. He's got reasons. He generally deserves the benefit of the doubt. And and, And the one that worked well was what the fourth down pass to KJ, because that was, I think, a seven yard game. It was like fourth and two, right? And and they threw, and at first you're like they're gonna throw, it works. So yeah, it's hard to it's hard to decipher exactly what he's thinking at times. But um, I get your point, Dex, because yeah, it did seem like a game in which the run would have been the smartest play. Also, there's when Darius out, we think in terms of pass protection, he's also one of the best run blocking offensive linemen in the league, and Ezra yeah, Cleveland's one of the best run blocking. So it's it's so much different. You you would just run left. Hey, we need some yards. Run left. And they did a few times. They had that pitch in the first half. Uh, but, you know, when Christian Darasaw's out, it's just a little little harder to just call a run to the left because you got to back up left tackle in the game. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. All right, third chunk of pie for me. I, I touched on it in my hot take, but I think it also it, it goes in the entire special teams, and that's exactly what it is. 20% of the pie chart of praise to special teams for the Vikings. So, obviously, Greg the Leg being perfect was, was a big one for them. But also, don't sleep on Ryan right here. So he had six punts, one that went 63 yards. He averaged 48 yards per boot. 
Special teams deserves a ton of credit here. So I'm going to give at least a chunk of pie to them. I think they deserve it. Uh, Matt Daniels has been a hell of a coach for them. Yes, Greg, the leg being perfect is a a bar that we want to see all the time. But Ryan Wright's been a great punter for them. We don't really see these guys show up on the pie chart of praise. So 20% to special teams. Uh, Ryan Wright is, I love that guy, man. He's just this kind of roly-poly yeah, but that that move surprised me, and it's been a great move. I, I mean, he's got a bomb for a leg. Except for his shaky holds on extra points and 50-yard field goals. But it looks like that was <laughs> corrected yesterday. No kidding. That's, what if that Have we gotten to the bottom of that? Has he just been a bad holder on 50-yard field goals, or is it Greg Joseph's fault? I don't think anyone would tell us the real truth. I think we need an ex-kicker to tell us who was Longwell could tell us. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's Ryan time. That's exactly right. All right. Right. Rock knows how you feel about All right, two pie. pieces of pie left in this pie chart of praise. I'm going to give 25% to Kevin O'Connell. So this is a game where I think coaching makes a humongous difference. Okay, so obviously they get off to a great lead in the first half. Um, looks like they're going to go on cruise control, but then things get dicey in the second half there, right? And I know you want to see Kirk. Uh, you want to see Kirk have a little bit better performance in the second half, but I think under Mike Zimmer, the Vikings lose this game. They they find a way to lose this game 100%. This is where coaching matters. I I saw we were talking in a a group chat the other day with my buddies with Justin Herbert. Like, why is Justin Herbert so bad? Like, they have all these great playmakers and the charges. Like, coaching. Like, coaching does matter here. So I'm going to give 25% to uh, Kevin O'Connell. He deserves it. He's just the general tone that he sets, right? The I think it's everything from the vibe that he sets down to some of the schematics down to the game theory and the timeout yeah. preservation. And just, he feels very much in control of this whole thing. Zimmer the last years did not <laughs> because he is. And, and yeah. the thing that impresses me most is this team plays these cardiac kid type of games. <laughs> They're ridiculously close. Like they, like the Vikings did have a chance if they had come out in the third quarter, they could have punched the jets in the mouth and basically gone home. Right. Um, and so it looks like it's a disaster. It's like they're falling apart. But you know what? Look at their sideline. Look at the de- demeanor. They never look like they're falling apart. Like it's this juxtaposition to me that's so intriguing. Um, I love the fact that O'Connell, he might not love it, but he certainly does not say a bad word about the close games. Like Zimmer would come in and be like, these games are too close, right? O'Connell's like, I love you guys. This is, and, and he always, the tinge is always, we can all do better. So like there is, there are things to be learned. I will give you just quickly here to the biggest example, I think, in the Zimmer Vikings 2021 and this year. The Pittsburgh game last year, I think it was a Thursday night game at uh, U.S. Bank Stadium. It's the one where it was very similar in the sense that at the end of that game, the Pittsburgh tight end Roethlisberger threw the pass. The tight end had it. I think Harrison Smith broke it up. And Xavier Rhodes and I, I think like Chris Boyd started going crazy, like celebrating. Patrick Peterson and Harrison Smith stood there, looked at each other like, that's disgu- that, That's a disgusting win. Like, they walked off the field. I applauded it. I loved it. That that team had nothing to celebrate. Yesterday, same type of thing, right? Probably too close late in the game. Harrison Smith and Peterson are going nuts. Why? Because the mentality and the team come first, and that's what's important. So, yes, that game yesterday was far too close. But from every standpoint, including mine in the press box, I'm like, yeah, celebrate that. The Pittsburgh game, I was like, this season's just disgusting. Well, but why But why shouldn't they celebrate the Pittsburgh win? Is it just because the 
because it was meaningless. They were fighting the for team, a play. They were fighting for a playoff spot. But the team, but the team itself was joyless. The game was joyless. Everything about it was just like, just do your job. Like, do your job. This team feels like it does its job. It feels I like everyone success. is pulling the same rope. To use yes. a cliche, well, that's what it feels you, like. And if you aren't, you know what? Then buzz off. In Rhodes's mind, this was all about you know me. And what I love right now is it's all about the team. That's a cliche. But a lot of sports cliches are absolutely true. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, what's your what's your final slice here? All right, last chunk of pie. Bill touched on it. Thirty percent red zone defense. Red zone defense. I mean, this is bending and not breaking at its absolute finest. And to be honest, I agree with that, Donatel. Yards don't matter to a degree. They don't matter to a degree if you can be really good in the red zone. I have additional statement on Mackie and Judd on this too, but I mean, that red zone defense put the clamps down. You can give up those big chunk plays and not have the Jets get six, and they were able to still uh, stop them when they needed to. They forced them a lot of field goals, so 30% to the red zone defense. So my final, uh, or my pie chart as a whole, 100%, 10% to JJ, 15% to Dalvin Cook and the running game, 20% to special teams. 25% to Kevin O'Connell, and 30% to the red zone defense. What's funny is that on the season, they're not even really that great of a red zone defense. It just kind of seems like they are. So after yesterday, they moved up to 20th in red zone defense percentage. So they're not, it's not like they're, all right, they're giving up all these yards, but they're the second best red zone defense. When you look at some of these defensive stats, it is hard to figure out how they're 10-2. and two. But like yesterday, they held up when they needed to. um, And then offensively, they just kind of come alive for one drive in the second half when when they need to. So the question, I think the biggest question remains here as we're now getting into the the second week of December. Is there another level this season to this team? Because it feels like there is. But we've been saying that since September and we haven't really, we haven't seen the, the full version of this team yet. And at, at this point, we're almost getting so late in the year, I wonder, is there one? Is the, is one just going to appear against the Colts or something or the Lions? And, oh, there's there it is. There's the 40-17 to 17 victory that we've all kind of been waiting for. I That's why I really like defensively what I saw in the first half, because I like the ideas. I, I, I think they used... Um, Asamoah for like four snaps. I think that they used a three safety set with Metellus for like two or three snaps. Um, the second half. So the one thing that I will say that benefited the Vikings is Mike White was coming off a great game against the Bears defense. Okay. So Mike White was not going to come here and replicate that. Um, the In the red zone, where it gets loud, where defenses can do some different things, perhaps, I do think it it benefited the Vikings greatly that Mike White was the QB here. Like, if that was a veteran QB, if if that had been like Dak, I don't think that, that, uh, that it ends up being all field goals in the red zone. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's fortunate, but I mean, they still did credit to them hold the Jets to what three for 16 on third down so mm-hmm. there were definitely good things uh but as far as your question Phil are there different things that we can see I would go to the first half defensively and say that's where I think steps were made and there have been games where they have adjusted I just don't know where those adjustments go at times and just because the Jets adjust doesn't mean that you that you're screwed you can readjust 
Yeah. Amen. Like the Amen. Whole thing about, you know, well, they, they're a good team and they adjusted. Okay. What's your counter? I mean, that that's the big boy question, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, well, that's, let's wrap the pie chart here because we still have to get to nitpicks. We got to get to what are you doing, guy? The Rock knows so there's Declan's pie chart here. Let's get into just a round of nitpicks, and then we can get to I have a what are you doing, guy, for you guys. Uh, I'll start with this one. We haven't really talked about Kirk Cousins much off yesterday, and uh, we've given him a ton of due credit this year. He's been excellent fourth quarter, close games in the fourth quarter. But uh, my nitpick from yesterday is he was not good. He was not accurate. Uh, Kirk O'Chains did show up for that second quarter drive in which he 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 trucked C.J. Mosley and he stood in there and threw a couple great passes and that's awesome. But um, he's only played now maybe like two dominant complete games all year, yep. and it's being masked by how great he's been in the fourth quarter close games. And that is awesome. And I think if we had to choose one or the other, you would say, well, I guess I'd rather I'd, I'll take the clutch guy and just kind of figure out the rest of the game. Um, but we're into December now, and he has not put together nearly enough complete games. So some criticism is warranted here. That's I guess that's my nitpick is that I'm not hating on Kirk. <laughs> that's what I I'm am hearing. properly tweaking and criticizing that, okay, it's awesome. Like, You've kind of mastered the fourth quarter thing more than you ever have, but the re- right. the rest of the game matters as well. And there are times where you could just play a complete game and throttle a team as opposed to seeing ghosts or going away or, or whatever it may be. Or if Kirk Cousins could just go take a seat for a couple hours during a game, let Kirk O'Chains grab the wheel more often, that'd be great. Okay. If Scott can't... Howard could go sit down and Teen Wolf could come back, we would appreciate that. I can't wait for, for the playoff game when the marquee says Cousins versus Purdy. The Niners coming to town <laughs> oh, with Brock Purdy at quarterback. That's the matchup I yeah. want. They took the Dolphins behind the woodshed with with their third quarterback yesterday. The Niners, it doesn't even matter who plays for the Niners. They just, they're, apparently their system and their defense and their weapons are good enough where literally any quarterback can come in and they'll just win like 11 games and make a deep playoff run. O'Connell versus Shanahan. Cousins versus Shanahan and Brock Purdy a quarterback that could be interesting. It'd be fun. It might happen. Yeah. That could be interesting. Uh, right. my, yeah, my, my nitpick would be just right. Kirk's go back to Kirk, but just the accuracy issue that I've seen him have all year. I mean, it, it's not the fact that he's seeing ghosts, he's taking licks, and look, that's tough. That's part of being a quarterback too. It's his inaccuracies that are really starting to alarm me. Um, that that this was a guy who's always been very, very accurate, and maybe sometimes we got fooled because he likes to check down a lot, so the completion percentage looks good. But even when you've watched him over the years, he's always been very accurate. And I think the inaccuracy this year is what's really concerned me and what it looks like of something that could be lingering through the rest of his career. Because I just don't know how you just all of a sudden can't hit guys anymore. It's kind of mind-blowing to me. So I've got a theory on that because I've given this some thought. And it, it feels like it was a problem early in the season. It dissipated a little bit, and it was certainly back. Um, the throws, the throw behind Je- Jefferson that Jefferson dropped and the – throw that could have been a touchdown to Hawkinson that was just an awful throw here's my theory I think O'Connell to a large degree there are times where he gives in to Kirk and basically calls Kubiak plays but it's not the entire game he calls for Kirk to make some throws that Kirk does not like to make now 
I don't think Kirk objects to, to those throws because he's petulant. I think he doesn't like those throws because those are throws that don't necessarily fit into his comfort zone. Um, and Dex, I think what we're seeing at times is when O'Connell is running the game like he wants, he wants Kirk to do things that aren't necessarily Kirk things. And this was always my gripe about the stats. The stats were on basically Kirk's terms. I'm checking down. I'm doing what I'm, I'm being asked to do what I know I can do. Um, life is all about being challenged in things that go outside your comfort zone. And that's where, yes, you can screw up, but you also develop. And I think for a long time, especially here, Kirk was, as much as Zimmer might have been a jerk to Kirk, they coddled Kirk. And so it was like, okay, Kirk, if you want to check down, we'll check down. There, there was no, 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 dude. We're going to have you make the big boy throw here. Um, I think that deep, Kirk can make some great throws. I think the intermediate throws at times, so, so not a check down, but let's say it's a 15 to 20-yard throw. Those are the throws that go outside of Kirk's comfort zone. And to O'Connell's credit, he's not willing to just forfeit that and say, okay, you know what, Kirk, yes. make an eight-yard throw. So, Dex, I think what we're seeing here is not like a newfound in- inaccuracy. I think it's for the first time a coach is telling Kirk, you need to do some of the things I want. And Kirk's doing it, but it doesn't always look as good or have the statistical success that Kirk had previously when Kirk was spoon-fed what Kirk wanted. Yeah, I think, I, yeah, some of it, I mean, that throw to Hawkinson yesterday was just, that was just like a miss, regardless of system. But I think if you were to do a pie chart of blame for like the dip in completion percentage or accuracy percentage, some of it would be, okay, he is he is just missing some throws. Maybe it is because he's not like third year in an offensive system. And so he's still trying to, or even like with Hawkinson, he's still trying to get used to how Hawkinson runs routes. They did, It's not like they spent May, June. Okay, how fast does this guy get out on this route? How much separation does he get? So I'll give him a pass on on some of that, and uh, and I I agree with what Judd's saying too that on these intermediate throws, there's tighter windows and KOC. The mic'd up from last week, and the and uh, the I think it was a 36 yard reception to it was a perfect pass. He threw it a little short of a safety coming over the top, but Jefferson broke through a double team bracket. That is the exact type of danger zone that Cousins does not even tempt in his first four years as a Viking. And that conversation played out publicly, respectfully, during training camp and OTAs where, you know, the media is asking Cousins about, hey, there were some some misses there in practice today that we saw. You know, can you kind of talk us through that? And and he said, well, and you guys had a conversation off to the side, you and Kevin O'Connell, and and, and he would say, well, yeah, there are some some throws where I would just, in my career, I would move off that read. And he didn't get too specific, but... He's moving off the read because it's it's not open, right? In his mind, it's not open. And KOC is saying, no, don't move off that. Do not move off that read. That is open. And you're good enough to make that throw. And people like you. And you're like, right, yes. But, but, th- but if you're going to be throwing passes into some of those tighter windows with a new scheme yes. and it's a little uncomfortable for you, your, your interceptions are going to go up. Your completion percentage might go down. But you hope that the net net at the end of the day is that that aggressiveness is going to be more points for your team, a big first down in a big moment, keep the chains moving, that you're going to sacrifice some completion percentage, maybe some interceptions to get more offensive output on the other side. Yes, and Kirk likes to, I mean, we we know this. I don't think Kirk likes to throw guys open 
Like Kirk wants you where the ball, Kirk wants you to be there without assuming. And, and so the anticipatory throws that a lot, that lots of guys make, Kirk can probably make him. I don't think he likes to case in point, the Jefferson ball was behind Justin. Why? Because Justin's going to a place where the ball should be. Kirk's throwing the ball where he thinks it should be. Ideally that ball's out front, right? But if it's out front, Jefferson's not there yet. And so you've got to have faith that he's going to catch it. It's not going to be picked. So, yeah, I think that there's just a lot of things here that Kirk is probably being challenged to do that don't get talked about that create this sort of alarming thing of, oh, that's a bad pass. Yeah, and you think about it, if you just kind of look at his whole season now, or you know, 12, 12 games in, and after yesterday's games, he ranks 20th in QBR. He ranks... 21st in passer rating. These are some of the worst ranks of his career. I think they are the worst ranks of his career. Yep. He is 28th in yards per attempt. I think he's like 18th in expected points added. But if you then look at some of these same statistics and go some of the advanced, if you just look at like fourth quarter close games or fourth quarter in general, he's been excellent. And I want all of it. I want all of it. I want him to just be awesome. Let's see the full version of Kirk in this offense. And we just, we haven't seen that yet. But what it shows you is if you can stay aggressive and if you can rise up, maybe you haven't been great in the first quarter or third quarter. But if you can rise up when it's most important, it's going to result in team wins. So this is such an interesting lesson. It's like overall, he's not as good. But he's been excellent in high leverage situations and they're 10 and two. Huh? Who knew? Uh, Judd, you have a, a nitpick for us. Yes. Uh, Dex just sent us a note. So Dex, if, if you'd like to go, uh, you BRB. can. I'm a, a BRB. Yeah, no, it's no problem. It's no problem. I've, I've been there myself uh, quite a few times. Um, I gotta go. I gotta I, go. No, no, no I, I gotta go. go. Got, no, I gotta go. I love this. All right. <laughs> That's poor pregame planning right there. Yeah, or it is because I was spicy food late at night. Yeah, no, I had told. Yep, I I had the same thing, and I told Don, "You got to get out of here right now because I got to start the show." And before I wait, did the he, show, he, he? I got to go. He asked us for permission. Well, he <laughs> he wanted us to know why he was disappearing from the show. I actually don't blame him one bit. He was like, "Here, I'm going to disappear from the show." Brb. Um, yeah. So I do have I I have a nitpick but it goes well beyond the Vikings. And that's this. In a year in which we've been through the Tua thing, where he obviously came back prematurely and was concussed a second time and it looked just awful. Uh, Derisaw was probably cleared too quickly. The Caleb Evans thing yesterday really bugged me. So he's coming off a, a concussion. He did sit out more time, which was a good thing. But... He gets, he collides friendly fire with Harrison Smith and just gets blown up, right? And it's clear he's off. Like it's, you know, he sort of gets up and and they bring him to the sideline. I think they take him into the into the tent and they clear him to return. Mm-hmm. He returns. On the play, if you go back and watch this, on the play in, in which one of the Jets' big chunk plays passing yards, the play where, where the receiver stepped out of bounds around like the yeah. eight or something, right? Watch that play again and watch Evans as a central figure in the reception, the initial reception. 
and he almost looks confused. Like he doesn't, it's something's up, and you can see it. And sure enough, after that series, they bring him off again, and they check him out, and they take him back. And, and then they announce, we are going to evaluate him for a concussion, and he does not return. Yeah. This is ridiculous. And this is not an O'Connell thing. This is not even a Vikings doctor thing. This is a league-wide thing. Um, a Caleb Evans flat out, and I'm not a doctor, but I can say this with complete confidence, should never been allowed to return to that game coming off a concussion when he collides with Smith. And the league needs to figure this out. Like, it's unfair to, to be like, well, O'Connell shouldn't have okayed that. He's the coach of the game. He's got 1,000 things, right? Yeah. Like, if a guy's cleared, you're like, okay, go back in. Um, but the league, this is just embarrassing now. Like I could, I could have told you when he was laying on the ground after that play. He's done. You, you could literally see the stars above his head. Like yes. His eyes looked glazed on the replay on TV. Correct. And, and it's he's a just second back concussion. out there. Okay. All right. But, I mean, why, you know, it's, again, it's a second concussion. We know that a person with a concussion is predisposed to get another concussion if they go back to a contact sport soon. And, you know, there's all of this, like, well, the league has to do this and do that, and the Tua thing will solve this, and nothing's solved. Yeah. So, no, it was, uh, it was tough. It was tough. It was tough to watch that. And I get it. It's like it's a sport where the, the players are, like, a Caleb Evans isn't asking out, and he wants to go back in. And, and he tweeted last night, Tua, I'm fine. Dude, yep. you're not fine. Tua wants to go back in, so yep. it's hard. You're trying to tell these guys, and you're and you're not. You're doing it like on the fly in a in a tent. You're going into a blue tent in the middle of a stadium. It's like it's weird. So uh, we'll get to what are you doing, guy, in a second here. But if you're looking for a fun date idea, speaking from experience, old Macadac and uh, Mrs. Macadac have had a couple good times at the Chanhassen Dinner Theaters in our lifetimes, Judd. That is right. And Phil, the, the idea is this. It is the perfect gift. But you know, gift cards at, at times, the gal might be like, oh, it's a gift card. You didn't give it much thought. But this is because Phil just said this and he's exactly right. These gift cards are a ticket to date night. So it's a commitment too. But here's the thing. It's great, great fun because it lets you pick what you want to see. And there is something for everyone. A big splashy musical on stage. I know Macadac loves like Footloose or Jersey Boys, right? You yeah. got that. You got a concert series that has tribute concerts, everything from Fleetwood Mac to Sinatra to Patsy Cline, or the comedy improv show with Stevie Ray's is a blast as well. A great steak and prime rib or the famous chicken chan. So enjoy a show, enjoy a great meal. And it's this simple. You could either call 952-934-1525 or go to chanhassendt.com, chanhassendt.com, or stop by actually and pick um, pick up the gift cards there. Chanhassen Dinner Theaters, your ticket to a great night and a great gift, chanhassendt.com. Uh, and speaking of this time of year, uh, a lot of people just kind of concede, well, I'm just going to, I'll just get right. I'll, I'll change my life in January. Well, this is actually yeah. a good time to get on Olivia plan and get momentum. You could be on like week five of your momentum by the time everyone else is just like going to the gym on January 2nd or something. You know, imagine January 1st arrives and you're already down, let's say uh, 10 pounds, 10 pounds gone. And that is the key here is, not just that the weight disappears, but you will keep the weight off, too. So that's the great part. And right now, save 50%. It's the best offer of the year. Save 50%. Get started now. And as Phil said, by January 1st, you're going to be on a roll. By March, you're going to have clothes fitting right and left that you thought wouldn't fit again. 
855-GO-L-I-V-E-A, Livia.com. Livia Weight Control Centers, Livia.com is your ticket, not just to weight loss, but sustaining that because their dietitians are, are great. And the last thing, if you're in Florida, California, if you're a PD fan elsewhere, virtual visits available as well. So you don't even need to be in state. Livia.com is where you start. All right, it's time for uh, what are you doing, guy? Here, football. Uh, and Judd, Purple Daily. I just saw Baker Mayfield got released this morning by the Panthers. No, totally. Like, that could be the what are you doing, guy? Really? Yeah, he just released his ass. He sucks, and he's a bad leader, locker room guy. So it was a mutual agreement, according to Jeremy Fowler, ESPN. As Mayfield asked for his release, the Panthers honored it. He just wasn't in their plans going forward. I don't think he will be in uh, many. There's teams a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys on that team. Not in their Although, plans. just saw this note from Mike Clay. This is total speculation. Mike Clay, analytics guy from ESPN, says, "Let me be the first to suggest Baker Mayfield to the 49ers. Yeah, I I was gonna say that. <laughs> I mean, Garoppolo's done. Yeah, Trey Lance is done. If is there's Brock one Purdy coach really gonna be the guy. Could, yeah, that's the thing. Like, if there's one coach that could just probably extend Baker's career, it might be Shanahan. But, uh, all right, after the game yesterday, I don't know if you saw this, but Jets cornerback DJ Reed, so yes, I he's do. the other really good cornerback that they have. Yep. He told reporters that he was happy with the way he played against Justin Jefferson, but used a little colorful language here. He said, quote, I was in his bleep all game. He got the one route on me, so I'm frustrated, but I felt like I did a great job containing him. Other than that touchdown, I held my own for sure against him, yep. to which I would say, all right, he definitely didn't have an explosive game, but he caught seven passes and the aforementioned touchdown. Can you yep. really say that you were in his bleep all game and that you did a good job, but also in the same breath be like, but we lost, and there was that touchdown that he burned us on. What are we doing, guy? I don't know if this is the time to be trash-talking and thumping your chest after a loss in a game in which Jefferson caught seven passes for a touchdown. You, you Ultimately, you didn't do a good enough job, so just and, calm down. And I, I did see on Twitter last night that J.J. clapped back as well. And, he and did. He said, yeah, said, get yeah. back to me when your coach – Feels yeah. comfortable with you going one on one against me or whatever. Yeah. Yes, and so and Sauce didn't play, didn't follow JJ. So that matchup, I mean, it happened occasionally, but it didn't mm-hmm. turn into a full time thing, which I was sort of hoping for. But yeah, I would uh, if I, my team lost, I gave up a touchdown uh, that turned out to be absolutely key, and the guy caught seven passes. I'm probably just going to be like, yeah, you know, we did a decent job. It's fine. Yeah, whatever. How about that? Now we you did guys... a decent job. You guys did put the clamps on Adam Thielen because he only caught two passes. So congratulations. You definitely put the clamps on Adam Thielen. And uh, Johnny Munt only caught one. It was so, a big yeah. catch, though. It was. It was a Munt third down, I want to say. Still a no, thing. it was a first down. Yeah. yeah. It was good. Munt mm-hmm. season is still going. How are we doing there, Declan? Yeah, speaking of clamps, clamps are good. We're good. We're all good. We are all good. Everything okay? Everything, everything uh, is everything, everything is along? everything is uh, yep. Everything outside. I saw Dave Bessler had a nice conversation with him. Are talking about oh, the Vikings be- game. Before so. or after? Uh, after. Thank God. Okay. Yeah. Because 
Because yeah. if that happens with our CFO before, and nope. you're like, ah, oh, no, no, you know, go. yeah, bending that break, yeah, I agree. You know, if they can just stop him in the red zone, then I think we're okay and might be in the red zone right now, so it's fine. Yeah, worked out. Well, what was I think we need to break down at some point your we can. pregame preparation here. No, we what, can, we what? we can just break down what just transpired uh, either <laughs> right now or at another date because it, it is worth discussing. What just yeah. It is worth discussing. Well, what what's the general, what's the executive summary of what happened here? Was it um, spicy food? No, last it wasn't night? spicy was it? food. Uh, we, I picked up the gal from the airport late last night, and we had, and we got fast food, which I usually I don't do a lot of uh, a lot of lot of fast food. I really don't. Um, but I'll be completely honest when I say that was the biggest buzzer beater of my entire life. <laughs> I was my my legs started to cramp, I've heard that and. Too, yeah. Yeah, and I start. You, thank God we can't really like we don't have great lighting here. I started sweating. I've never, I've never. <laughs> I, that's ne- what just transpired about ten minutes ago, up to like the last possible second where I was going to tough this out. There was no option to tough it out anymore. There was no option. Okay, at what point during the episode was it? Like at what point during the episode were you looking at the clock, thinking, "Oh man!" Like was it oh, during I, and, pie charts? And I, I it- believe me, I have been in this realm before we're like okay how long we got here okay no i can do this uh it was around your hot take that i realized this is going to be right down to the wire if this is going to go <laughs> it's so going to go your you grinded your pie chart the rock knows yeah i don't know what the time pie. was and wow. grand we always pontificate between slices but uh but that that was i was trying to go as quickly as possible to get to, to get to nitpicks, and then we were just talking about Kirk inaccuracies for like seven minutes. Like, okay, I gotta go. This is the, the, we, I thought we were gonna move on quicker. I gotta go. We gotta go. I gotta go. Amazing. This, happened, this did happen like ten years ago on the old Roycey and Mackey radio show, and we, you know, every you know, there's a very formatted radio clock. It's fifteen hundred ESPN. You know, ten years ago, and uh, we had a segment every day at whatever one o'clock. And it was from one o'clock until like one twenty-four. Mm-hmm. It was like a twenty-four minute segment, and it was called Cram Session. And we would ask these questions and kind of go back and forth. And it was a, it was like around the horn kind of a thing. And we're like twelve minutes into a twenty-four minute segment, and Pat is just like giving super short answers and rushing it. And we're like, "Why are you? Why are you being weird?" He goes, "I gotta, I gotta go. go." And we're like, "No." He goes, "We we gotta go." And I said, no, we, I mean, <laughs> we have like we 10 minutes left in this segment, man. We need to, we need to stretch is what we need to do. Yeah. He goes, no, I mean, I got to go. I got to go. And we're like, what? And he's got up and left. All right. So there you have it. I'm glad this happened. I'll tell you, those buzzer beaters are tough. I've had a couple of those in my life. One being downtown Chicago yeah. at about 2 o'clock in the morning. You- after uh, a round of Buffalo Wings and Tater Tots from Mother Hubbard's after the Francisco Liriano no-hitter. It's covering that as a beat writer. And, uh, oh, boy, old Macadac, uh was in the elevator, like, panicking up to his I'm, hotel room. I'm chronologically the oldest guy on this show, but as far as stomachs go. You had the best. I might have the best stomach. Yeah. Yeah, I think you probably do. Yep. The best constitution. <laughs> I work with like two 75 year olds as far as stomachs go. Yeah, we gotta, gotta, gotta be stomach. careful. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, one of you eats spicy foods despite your problems. So. <laughs> and it's worth it every single time. <laughs> All right. Football. There it is Purple Daily. 
Daily bathroom emergencies, daily Vikings entertainment. We just want the Vikings to win the Super Bowl before uh, Declan's internal clock goes off. That's what we want. We will see you guys tomorrow. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 2. I could see beyond the Black Hills and the way they called for exploration. I could feel the air, the way it paints against skin and fills hungry lungs. I could hear the way the water ran for miles and the way the bison grazed. The way our boots meet the earth as we step past expected. I could imagine my time in South Dakota, and I wish to go back. Because there's so much South Dakota, so little time.